TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Careers Unplugged, the weekly show connecting you to secrets of career success. Careers Unplugged is hosted by Rich Sayer and Stu Hayes and proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program. If you feel being happy, committed and passionate about your career is important, you're in the right place. My name's Rich Sayer and I'm here with the fabulous co-founder of Careers Unplugged, Make a Big Training and the Master of Me coaching program, Stewie Hayes. Stu, good morning. Good morning, Rich. How's things? I'm uh, in good spirits. Thank you for asking. And, uh, and yourself? Uh, I, I'm excellent, mate. It's been, it's been a great summer. It's been a hot summer. The cricket's been fantastic. Um, even the water in the bay is warm, and I have to say I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, and uh, so I think every Australian's been appreciating Mitch Johnson. I even grew a moustache for about, oh, about a week until I got sick of it. Tell us all about today's guest. All right, Rich. Well, our special guest today is a guy who has intrigued, inspired, entertained me, and most certainly millions of other Australians from the moment that I first saw him in the media and later in the pulpit. He's worked as a beekeeper. He's been awarded the Order of Australia for his work with the poor people in the community. He's hosted TV shows, podcasts, radio programs, and how's this? He's even had a documentary about his life premiere at the Melbourne Film Festival. Wow. He's founded a bucket load of charities, including Open Family, and he's done all of this while serving the community as a Catholic priest. Father Bob McGuire, it is my great pleasure to welcome you to Careers Unplugged. Good morning, Rich and Stuart. Good morning, morning. Father Bob. There was one thing I used to like when people mentioned it. It was, what was it? I was sitting up there on the shelf looking at me. Entrepreneur of the Year, for God's Uh, sake. That would go in there nicely. (laughs) Oh, I'd like to add that. Well, I mean, that's because you get told you're you're good at this, 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 this and this. One of the things that I wanted to be good at was... um, running a, a business-like charity, business-like. Mm. So we, we got this in 2000 and what's that say? Three for social community and not-for-profit enterprise from, uh, oh, it hasn't got their name on it. Was the Telstra but Business they, Awards or something, was it? Or? Yeah, business, business, business. We went into town and there we were up on the stage with all kinds of young entrepreneurs and I thought, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't f- feel as though I fitted, fitted there, but they said you did because, in fact, you ended up doing a lot of things with very little resources. And I thought, yeah, well, that's nice. I like that. It's the well, same as we are now with the foundation doing, uh, still doing lots of good things with homeless people and hungry people and uh, young people who should be get continuing at school but they haven't got the, the resources, all that. We're still doing that. Now, I think that we can, we've done and we will continue to do these things with, um, with not many resources at our, at, our, at our disposal. So I reckon, um, I reckon that's a claim to be, that should be known. It's an accolade. Well, I think it is because especially in your business, when you're trying to, you know, I mean, how can you get good things done and be businesslike without being mean? You know what I mean? Without being more concerned about the dollar, you can be equally concerned with the dollar and equally concerned with the uh, with the um, the social outcome. That's well, what I believe. I think that you know, for me, that's uh, that's the the heart of business. You know, it, and it's heart centred business rather than um, dollar driven business. And that social yeah. 
consciousness is, I'm hoping, a new model that maybe you were the blueprint that we're all going to be copying. I read an article about the body shop one time and uh, yes. the lady who started the body shop said, oh, everyone yeah. thought I was, you know, bringing back the refillable bottles and everything because it was all green, but it was because we couldn't afford bottles. Yes, yes. And it and was they, just, it was an economic model that they could get yeah, the thing up and running, you know. Yeah, so, right. so the, Father Bob, yeah, go on. big career in the Catholic Church. Uh, oh, yeah. Before, before you got into the church, yes. did you have a part-time job as a kid? Yeah, but as you see, because I was poor, yeah. up until the age of about 18 or something, then I went into the priest's uh, training facility. Mm. Um, of course, you would have had to have a part-time. My first part-time job, of course, as a kid was as um, a paper boy. Yep. So I used to throw papers over people's uh, fences. Were you on uh, the bike? You're, you're on the the, I think we were poor, but I was on the bike. I was on a bike to deliver papers around Paran, mm. and or you could live more dangerously and stand on the corner of um, uh, where the Erica Hotel is in in, in Paran and sell uh, newspapers from the corner. That was more more glamorous and more dangerous, <laughs> but there was more dope in it because, in fact, you got tips, especially you got tips from people who were tipsy. Nice. You see? So, I mean, that was the earliest. The other things we did as when I was in, in the priest's uh, training joint, I think you got out for three months a year. The rest of the time you were locked up. For three months a year you got out and you had to try to earn your pocket money for the year, I think. And I had a few jobs then like a postman. Wow. Uh, wow. D- delivering letters. And then all the other thing was not delivering but sorting mm. letters and one of the other jobs I had at the is that, time... What, for, is that for the PMG back then, was it? Yeah, back for the PMG up in Ashburton. I can see it now. Right. Wow. Over summer, over summer, but doing that. Pays seminary. Yeah, well, you had to, yeah, because I was poor. Yeah. Other people could go home for three months and, and, and have a trip overseas or something because their parents were rich. But we never had a dollar to bless ourselves with, literally. And the other job I did was well, during that seven-year or eight-year term uh, of hard labour was um, oh, down on the wharf. It was called a Cooper's assistant. The Cooper was the bloke who put the uh, metal bands around barrels. Yeah, I was going to say barrels. And then part of the, the job was to... Uh, was with those uh, allegedly rough blokes who I now, now I now know as the salt of the earth down there on the wharf, um, in fact, which is now Docklands. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was for a couple of months working with those blokes. The other one, I think I got a job in Victoria Barracks up there in St Kilda Road, Melbourne, okay. once again as a letter sorter. They're the main job. I had another one which I daren't mention because of the priest pedophile thing, but, I mean, I'm simply saying it as a fact. Yeah, yep. One of the, one of the best jobs, I think, that, that, that I had, together with some other um, uh, priest uh, students, over the summer period was with the National Fitness Council in a program they ran over summer which was called... Um, oh, dear, it was called... Well, it was called the Summer Camps, I think, uh, play centres, play centres. It was and, like the uh, YMCA style well, we're you know, all summer camps for kids. Sort yeah, of I think I remember being at the Richmond Swimming uh, place 
where we had our headquarters in a back room, and you'd organise uh, summertime um, activities for the local kids. Mm. Um, so one of the places was Richmond, I remember fondly. Mm, it's a, the go- other a, one. a godsend for every parent, you know. To... Well, I mean, in those days too, and around the corner here, I remember coming as a student to the uh, behind the South Melbourne, no, in the South Melbourne Technical School mm-hmm. when we were running uh, uh, activities. And we were the supervisors. See, for some reason or other, the woman who ran the show, um, I said, listen, we're not really qualified uh, as play leaders. And she said, I don't care. I believe that you students from the, from the, from the priest facility have in fact got what? Motivation. <laughs> In other to words, serve. You're, yeah. you're well motivated. Yeah. That's a good Where, question, actually, Father. I mean, that yes. motivation that you had to yes. go into the priesthood yes. and to serve, and, you know, if, from this perspective, now looking back, you've had an incredible impact on youth in particular. Much more. Could have done um, much more. What, was there a vision or a, a, an aspiration? Or what was the... I don't know what you'd call it, a, a vision or a mission or... Yeah. I can never tell the difference between a vision or a mission. Well, I think it came out of the gene partly, not the genes, but the gene, which would have been Scottish, which mm. who seemed to have uh, an overwhelming urge for justice, see that, that right is done. And I think that's what's probably been on my mind, my heart for the last 80 years, is to try to make, is try to do whatever I can to ensure that that, uh, that the right thing is done and without fear or favour. So not just the, uh, the rich and the powerful get the right thing done for them, but the poor and the powerless. Mm. So I suppose from the gene also, believe it or not, even from, uh, from Catholicism, because in the 40s, let me think, the 30s was the, the Depression in Australia uh, the 40s was WW2, World War II. Um, there was all kinds of reasons that you could absorb, even though there was no telly or, or there was no internet. You absorbed it from radio and you absorbed it from word of mouth, I think, that um, uh, the world was falling to pieces, uh, but whatever will be... Depends on me. Mm, mm, Whatever, mm. it was no good wringing your hands and saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, mm. God, uh, or, or even as church people going into church and praying that the world would be a better place. If you it, actually it, had to go yes. and do something. Someone has to do something, yeah. Yes. So as yep. throughout your career then uh, yes. in the priesthood, um, yep. you know, you, you've entered in a reasonably young age, how do you how do you measure success? How do you get to the end of a week or a month or a year, as uh, as Father Bob, uh, and say well, that was a good year? You know, we 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 got good work done. How, how do you measure that success? Well, I don't know. I would, well, I suppose uh, measurement of success. Um, um, I don't know. I suppose if you did your best with what you had, I mm. mean, you can only do what. Well, allegedly, you can only work with what resources you have at your fingertips. Allegedly, mm. um, I suspect that if, if you haven't got, if you've got, if you haven't got enough resources, you should should be going out to find the resources required for the job. I believe, but I mean, uh, how could you measure performance indicators? You mean those kinds of things? Yeah, yeah I guess. Or... Well, I'd be be saying, 
if um, if 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 the blind can see and the the, the dumb can can talk and the the lame can walk and the dead are, are risen from the dead, I believe that's the performance indicator. <laughs> so yeah. If you, is, is, could, would that be overwhelming at times? I mean, there's there's always there's always so much to be done socially and and so so on and so forth. Was there times that you felt confused, lost, or or you know, down about it all? Oh yeah, over the last forty years, the first one who died here on the, on the, while I was on on the on the on the bridge, so to speak, while I was watching, mm-hmm. the first one who died, uh, young, about 17, 18 years of age. Um, I was thinking the other day, if you look back, I thought, well, the first one who was killed uh, because of drugs, that was a shock. Because mm. I mm. thought we could have made a difference with the younger generation down here, South Melbourne, Port Melbourne. Mm. I didn't have the slightest idea that it was going to be um, uh, a war of attrition. Mm. So mm. when he was killed, uh, I remember we were shocked and horrified, and then the next one died, and then the next one. And after a while, I, uh, I don't know what happened. After a while, you see, we, we lost about 40 young people in the 80s. Mm. And that's a lot of people unanswered for. Mm. And uh, if you looked at that, you could easily say, well, then your rescue operation has failed. Um, but you see, others would have said um, the performance indicator was that so many didn't die. Mm. Now, to me, that's almost been what? The characteristic, the driving characteristic in my mind of my Father Bob McGuire Foundation or before that mm. open family was in fact we didn't realise it when we started, but we were about to, 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 to end up with 30-plus years of palliative care of local young people. Hmm. We didn't know that. We thought we were going to change the world. We thought we'd make it a safer place in South Melbourne, Port Melbourne, because I came out of the army, you see, before I came to South Melbourne, and we were engaged in a struggle in Vietnam and our soldiers were 20 years of age, mm. and we'd seen such an incredible, uh, broad uh, workforce, 20 years of age and conscripted. In other words, they weren't naturally motivated to change the universe, mm. but they accepted once they were put into uniform that that was their mission, was to change the world for the better, and to do so um, without causing too much damage even the soldiers. That, that period, um, Father, you, you know, you've gone off um, during a time of military conflict. Yes. You're involved with the military to to serve in a ministry role. Yes. Um, to support the troops. You know, who, yeah. Who, supports, who supported you during that time? I mean, what... Oh, well, I mean, you were lucky to have a Roman Catholic church that was driven by a thing called Vatican II. Vatican II had come in the 50s and 60s, thank God, just as we were emerging from the training facility. We went in as uh, conservative and devotional Catholics and we came out as, uh, as progressive uh, and socially-minded Catholics. As, as, as our chief bishop now in Rome is stating over and over, you know, listen, boys and girls, if you don't look after the poor first, well, then what you're doing in church is a waste of bloody time anyway. Now he's simply restating using a vocabulary that we grew, we were trained with, mm. which meant that once you came out of the facility, 
your first obligation was to um, to the wider community, you see, and especially to the wider community members who were not doing well. Um, they were, as the word in the old days, the term was marginalised. Yeah, you know. So how do they how do they support you in those tough times? Um, uh, well, I mean, I got most support from people in the street, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, the church people would have been supporting you because they'd all be saying on a Sunday or something um, when they came to church, congratulations, you're doing marvellous work. But you were, in fact, in those early days up until what? I was all commissioned in 1960 and I worked in Catholic parishes mainly uh, until 1969 um, around the suburbs. That would be if you were just doing good things for teenage kids, and for older persons in your parish, the parishioners would tell you that you're doing a bloody good job, and that was enough to, in fact, keep you going. Now, by the time 69 came along and I went into the army for four years and after 73, came out of the army and went to, landed in this place, South Melbourne, you were then involved with the wider community. And guess what, folks, what? the wider community would, in fact, uh, congratulate you also, not because you were a priest, but because you were, you were a community builder. See? You were of use to them. You were of some earthly use, whereas the Catholic uh, parishioners would have been saying that you were of some otherworldly use, got them through a death, got them through a, a sickness, got them through... Um, a change of life, got them through some ordeal and uh, in-house as a Catholic. Mm. It was pastoral care, it was called. We looked well, I was about to say that, you know, yeah. that, 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 that concept of a parish being uh, an extension of a village yeah. and uh, you have to do pastoral it. care. Do you think that's really changed? Do you think with the modernisation of the world and, mm-hmm. and, and so on that that's missing to some degree from the community these is. days? Of it is. I see a thing the other day and I agreed with it um, and I thought, geez, you'd have to be a bit pinko left us to say this, but I was saying we've got a big, a big, big choice ahead of us. Say Melbourne's, just mm. say it, Melbourne. Mm. In fact, it's got a choice ahead of it. Will it be a community or will it be um, a society driven by consumerism? Mm. If, if it be, because it, that's, it suits... It suits big business, it suits impersonal government to have a society of consumers because it emphasises the individual as a consumer. Mm. We're not really interested in, as, as, as members of, of this town, Melbourne, uh, fitting in with one another because that does not help consumerism. Mm, mm, the more divided we are, the better it is for big business because they can pick us off one by one. <laughs> See what I mean? So within, uh, and we mentioned, you know, the measure of success earlier, yes. within um, uh, both your role as a Catholic priest yes. as well as chief executive officer or whatever title you give yourself yes. with your foundation and yeah, your, your, very, your various other works. Uh, executive which, chairman, and I've pinched another title too the other day. What I was that? Well, entrepreneur of the year. Oh, no, entrepreneur of the year. No, no, I like the other one. The other one was uh, was a chief. Um, what do you call it? Uh, officer, creative officer, isn't oh, it? Oh, nice, yeah. nice. I like that because I mean, creativity is the thing that's got us through forty years. Mm-hmm. Because we're a bit like Mash. Four oh seven seven Hawkeye. Yeah, see, because Mash, we're ugly, but we get the job done. 
You know what so, I mean? So within that space, yes. how important to you has been setting goals? Occasionally I would because um, especially when you're under fire. See, if you're under fire, while you're under fire from the enemy, like drug traffickers and people who mean you ill, mm. uh, public servants sometimes misguided, uh, not malicious, I hope, but mm. not mischievous, mm. would in fact make life difficult for you. I mean, they are, even as we speak, I mean, uh, why am I, you're, you're saying you're popular, you're popular, you're popular, and everybody keeps saying you're popular, you're popular. And I'm saying to myself, if I'm that bloody popular, why haven't I got the dough to be able to, to do the jobs that I want to do? Mm. <laughs> you see, it should, <laughs> to be popular does not mean to say that you're going to be profitable. No. See? And, and we're about a meeting this morning. We're having eight meetings now every Monday Try to work out how to get uh, this foundation on a solid foundation for the future because mm-hmm. we've had 40 years of living from hand to mouth and uh, I don't mind. I boast about that. I boast about that because someone says, oh, my God, we have hardly got any money left. I said, darling, there's nothing new. That's how we've, that's how we've lived for 40 years. So don't panic. However, I accept the fact that at 80, we had better now build a war chest. We've got. Can I ask a got... question on this? Because I, I see a lot of um, a lot of powerful similarities between, say, where the foundation is yes. now, and and in fact where you have been on many occasions. You know, mm-hmm. with without resources, mm-hmm. trying to get things done. Yes. That is so similar to the journeys of young people themselves. Yes. You know, the same yes. young people you're trying to help, you know, that yes. we've got nothing, we've got dreams and hopes, or mm-hmm. sometimes we've even lost them. Yes. Um, what do you cling to, you know? Well, you can get a patron. I mean, that's, all, that's a lot. That's, that's an age-old story of uh, if you're an entrepreneur and you haven't got any resources, well, then you can always find yourself a patron. But what about, what about so you're a young person. Yeah. And you're going on the same journey as... Bob Maguire's foundation. You know? Yeah. Is there so much um, in your own journey that resonates with people? Well, I think, look, I've always believed one of the, the bottom line for me was over the years, and it sounds a bit pious now looking back, but if, if the product you are selling or if you the product or whatever is that good, well, then um, it can't be stopped. I think you've got to have, what do you call it, like, like I likened ourselves in the foundation uh, under 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 fire from headquarters, friendly fire is terrible stuff. <laughs> friendly fire. That in fact it was like body line in Australian cricket, mm. where in fact you had to make up your mind whether you were going to stand at the wicket and, and stay there and get hit by the ball, but you're going to stay there, or whether you're going to panic and, and walk off, or you're going to uh, panic and, uh, and 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 get caught out or something. You've got to stay. I don't know what you call it in business, but I presume it's something like t- t- persistence. Well, they say success is, is, you know, half the battle is just showing up day oh, after day. I would think so. That's all I've done. That's why I've moved into a place down here in Albert Park, so I'm not far from where I was. Mm. Um, and I'm living in a, in a in effectively in an old, what is this place, um, uh, real estate agent's office. Down the back was a room big enough for me to live in. So, in fact, I want to live on the job. Because I don't want to take me my eye off the ball. I want this foundation to be. I think there's a sign out the front called Father Bob McGuire Foundation, the next generation. Uh, I want it to segue into the next expression of of the core business of the foundation, which is to 
not leave anybody behind. Mm. See, now that's a bit negative, not to leave anybody behind. Well, it's very, it's very military, isn't it? You know, don't well, leave anyone behind enemy lines. You well, know. statue up there in the corner of the domain and whatever it is in Kilda Road mm. uh, with a bloke throwing another soldier over his shoulder. Um, World War uh, yeah. One. Simpson and his donkey. No, the other one, the other one. The other one right down on the corner where he's heard a voice behind him saying, don't forget me, copper. Oh, down at... Uh, so he turns around. Yeah, he turns around and he goes back into the, uh, into the mud and the, and, the, and the darkness and he, he puts the other bloke on his shoulder. Now, that's what I think my foundation is all about. That's what I think, looking back, that's what I'm supposed to be all about, is you hear the voice saying, don't forget me, copper. Mm. And that's, that's, that's what we have to do. Now, to translate that into, um, into a business-like uh, a formula or a strategic plan or something, um, or to set yourself goals for that, you've got to remember the over, overriding uh, imperative is not to leave anybody behind. So if, if there's a, a young Father Bob coming through, yes. someone who is... Um, as, as, as touched and motivated as you are by that yes. calling to serve um, the greater community. Yeah, and it's an Australian calling. You see, to me it's something that comes out of the, uh, the original uh, owner's um, dedication to the land, mm. to, to earth, and the original settlers, mm-hmm. uh, their dedication to, or even I'm reading what's his name, Fitzsimons' book on Eureka. Mm where you've got the dedication of those gold diggers, you know, doing all kinds to make... It's a pretty, it's a pretty harsh environment and do and you think, you know, that, that also the uh, harshness of the Australian outback really, you know, made them cling together and support each other? Yeah, and... that. They stopped being just a bunch of individual business persons mm, mm. and they formed a, 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 a commonwealth. Exactly. So if there's, a, if there's a young Father Bob coming through, yes. what would be your gold nugget? What would be the advice you would give them in terms of, look, you want to do social justice work? Yeah. What would be your gold nugget? Well, you I mean, if you're, God, you mean you're, if you're a God person, if you're a, if you're a clergyman... Well, either a clergyman or don't think it matters, does it? You've got to make a choice here. You've got to make a choice, and that is to find God in, uh, in, in other people, especially those who are uh, the least likely people, the down-and-out people, the unloved and the unlovely, as they're calling them now. You go looking for God there and you'll find God, whereas if you go looking for God in your church without any reference to, it, to, 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 to the unloved and the unlovely... You'll find something, but you won't be finding uh, the God of Jesus of Nazareth. Mm. Now, if you're a secular person, I'm going to say the same because I think the Aussies are blessed presently with so much freedom that it's, it could bite them in the bum. It could, mm. it could spoil them. They could end up being, uh, uh, what, suffering from hubris, which mm. the Greeks warned us about. Mm. If you're that blessed and you're that privileged you might start to believe your own bullshit, you know what I mean? <laughs> and you'll, 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 you'll spiral upwards into that place the Greeks had for the gods, which was called Elysium. Mm. You see what I mean? Now, once that, once that happens to you, good night and good luck to you all because that's the end of you. Whereas, in fact, if you keep your feet on the ground, I don't mind having my head in the air, mm. 
but you've got to keep your feet on the ground as well. Mm. See, so if there's a young bloke out there or woman, um, as I met the other day, a bloke that they were showing my film, what's it called, in Bob We Trust at the Croydon Theatre and outside was a couple of big blokes and I thought, oh, you know, he said, excuse me, can I have a word? Yes, yes, yes. He said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, youth minister. And I thought, yeah, yeah. And he said, listen, uh, give me some advice on how can you, how can you do both, meaning how can you be religious and a social activist? You see, now that was interesting because I said, well, listen, I think you can be a hybrid. See, I think you can do a bit of each. If, you, if you've got Seventh-day Adventism as your inheritance, religious inheritance, stick to that because it's a safe base. But, uh, but spiritually, you may have to become uh, what the Aussies would have, would, would have known as, uh, what, the explorers. Well, I think they're two completely separate things, you know, that uh, people can be spiritual and they can have religious. a conscious and religious. You can religiously wash your hands, you know, that, that uh, um, yeah. you know, spiritualism within its own right doesn't mean uh, that you're religious. Uh, and, and, and there's plenty of religious people that are maybe not that spiritual. But, Spirituality uh, is free range. Absolutely. Father, Father Bob, I mean, we, we can keep talking for ages. In fact, we, we will keep talking. Um, but that's about all we've got time for in the actual interview. Um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Stu, you got anything to add? Uh, thank you very much, Father. I really appreciate your openness and uh, insight into your journey. Yeah, Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep chatting. But, uh, but for now, we're going to leave the show there. For all of you at home, in the car, wherever you are, Thanks for joining us. Make sure you visit careersunplugged.com or Facebook to leave your comments. And, of course, give this episode a five-star rating on iTunes. Do it for Father Bob. And uh, please do uh, uh, help out Bob's community work there. I'm sure you can find him. And if you can find it in your heart to support him, it would be greatly appreciated. This has been Careers Unplugged with Rich and Stu. Careers Unplugged, proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program, helping you succeed in life career and business this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.